Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You know that because you're on the channel. And it's a really exciting Thursday here because we just started the World Cup, world's greatest spectacle in terms of a sports event. Just finished game one with an annihilation, Russia over Saudi Arabia 5-0. Also an exciting day, Gino, for another reason, which is that New Jersey just took their first sports wagers this morning at Monmouth Park. Hundreds of people standing in line Darren Ravel was sent out there from ESPN. He's their sports business reporter. Said a Patrick, lot of excitement, uh, a lot of buzz, Gino. So a buddy Patrick Everson from Covers. Our buddy Patrick Everson from Covers is out there too, uh, who uh, hung out with us in Vegas at the Treasure Island, and yes. we interviewed um, a lot of people out there. Well, uh, awesome, just awesome news in general for New Jersey, and just for for every for everyone. I mean, just the sports betting in general is going to be a big boon to. Uh, to all of us who are sports fans, who are handicappers, the, the question that you and I have had over the last couple of weeks and that we've been kind of, it, people in the, the horse racing bubble have been spinning around is what kind of an impact is this going to have on horse racing? Is it going to be a positive? Is it going to be a negative? Um, really only time will tell. Uh, but a great yeah. day today. Really cool to see um, lines packed and timing-wise, it couldn't have been a better day because I know Delaware... Um, rolled it out a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think it was last week, and they did it on purpose on like a quiet Tuesday because they didn't want to have any of the bugs on a big day. So they wanted to kind of get some of the some of the um, the any issues that they might have when there wasn't so much money involved, just kind of on a sleepy Tuesday when there was only baseball to bet. So now were, were, um, there, were there any just, issues, or was it pretty nothing good? big that I heard? No, it was all pretty good. Um, there were just some little things about. Um, um, how much you will be allowed to bet on certain things, what your max bets would be allowed. And those are just things that are going to be like trial and error, um, more and less, and just kind of how much money is in the pools. And they'll probably start to allow more liquidity once there's bigger numbers in the pools. But just little things like that, how much they're going to be allowing, what kind of wagers. Um, but it, that's, that's the thing. It's going to be all trial and error now for the next, who knows, decade as each state is implementing, you know, they're, you know, opening up new places, implementing their own rules. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll see. Today is just going to be a fun day. And it was a perfect timing right now with the, with the World Cup. Yeah, it really is perfect timing. And, you know, you and I have had that discussion several times now, right? What you just brought up a few moments ago. What's going to be the impact on horse racing specifically? This also opens it up to what's going to be the impact on, let's say, baseball ratings. How about a Kansas City Royals game on a sleepy Tuesday, Wednesday evening, afternoon game, something like that. I'm very curious to see what it will do to MLB ratings overall this summer. Uh, I don't know if one state is enough to give like a huge boost necessarily, but once, you know, more yeah, and more states come on board, that will be an interesting study to see what it does. It'll or even, wave, you know, the, uh, the less so interesting NBA game, you know, the, like the non-TNT, the non-ESPN game, you know, um, where there's an interesting line, a lot of people jump on board. What does it do to the spike in, uh, in, in, in ratings on, on that end of things? Because we've seen that fantasy football has done that, right? It's, it's made a game 
like Cleveland versus Cincinnati week 16 when both are out of it becoming an interesting matchup in the finals for a fantasy football league. Sure. And, and it will like, there'll be, there'll be a lot more interest in the, in just your average, you know, Wednesday night game when there's nothing going on. I think this is going to be really big for baseball in the, in the summertime, you know, when there's just nothing going on, those dog days of summer, as they always say, you know, in baseball, that'll is is when it's going to really help because let's be honest, like how much more money is going to be bet in the NFL and in in fantasy and stuff. There's going to be some, but I mean, there's a lot of money already bet out there. I don't know how much more money there even is to be circulated in that, in that instance. But I think it's going to be a couple of some of the other sports where, because a lot of people like to bet football, the once a week Sunday, it's kind of, it's kind of one of the easier games to play, to bet. You get it with your buddies, you have some beers, you put a few bucks on some of the games you're watching on Sunday. There's three or four games going on at once, so you got a couple multiple bets going. It's an easy wagering experience, um, and it's a comfortable wagering experience for a lot of people. I think the, the real fun is going to be, you know, when, when you're sitting at home on Thursday night and there's nothing going on and you can turn your, oh, okay, there's a basketball game that I wouldn't want, want to watch, but you know what, let me play the second half of this game. You know, that, that's where I think sure. things will start to really tweak. Um, so sure. it'll be well, fun. What? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you know what makes makes baseball wagering really interesting um, and very different than any of the other sports is that, let's just say, you know, Raiders-Broncos. If you like, let's say, the Raiders, and you think that they're going to win the game, they're going to cover the spread or whatever, and they were hypothetically, and it will never happen, but let's just say they played three days in a row, all three days, I'm going to take the, the Raiders, you know, assuming they win the first game, I'm going to take them again, I'm going to take them again. If I like the Raiders for today's game, I'll like them for tomorrow's game because there's nothing that changes. Baseball's unique. Yeah, baseball's you know, all pitching. Three games. Yeah, I mean, you can have a three. It's, it's more about matchups. It's, it's very yeah. different than any of the other sports because I might, you know, like. You don't uh, have different quarterbacks say, starting three games in a row. <laughs> well, yeah, take the Seattle Mariners. You know, if, if, if King Felix is on the mound, you know, or like in the years where they weren't that good. You know, it's maybe overall Seattle's typically a team that I wager against, but when King Felix on the mound, it's now a team that I love betting on. You know, and in a, within a three-game series, you may flip-flop on which teams you're going to play. Makes it kind of unique, makes it a little bit different, and I think that's probably what's going to be yeah, the, maybe appealing to a lot of people as uh, if, if they're new to this. The in-play wagering is going to be really cool, too, because there's so many things in baseball you can um, – you can play bet on for the next outcome. What's the next pitch going to be? Is the next is the is the batter going to swing or miss? Is he going to hit the ball? Where is he going to hit the ball? Is it going to be a home run or not? There are a lot of things once the in play wagering starts to really pick up that you'll be able to wager on. So th- that's going to make it really fun too for people. Like if you're at the game, if you're at a baseball game and you bring, you know, let's say you bring uh, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your significant other, and they're not really interested in the sport. Now you have a lot of little things during the game that you can kind of keep them interested in, right? Like they're going to have the parlor set up, you know, I'm thinking in a couple of years at a lot of these stadiums where you can walk in during the game and you can, okay, let's make a, is the next pitch going to be a striker and out? Okay, is Kershaw going to strike Goldschmidt out? You know, th- those are the things you're going to be able to, to wager on, which will be really fun. Um, and it's going to open up the game, I think, even more to, to like novice folks who, who aren't interested. Um, because that was one of the things that I think horse racing all, all one of the the advantages horse racing had was, you know, I would tell my buddies and my friends, hey, let's bet a few bucks on this. You know, we can we can bet on this versus other stuff. Legally, we were we weren't allowed to bet on uh, 
so now, you know, it's, it's going to be like that fantasy. I don't know if you heard of that, Francesa, uh, yesterday or the last couple of days, he was kind of going on a rant. It was basically like he invented kind of uh, fantasy sports. He was kind of talking about how, uh, you know, what would be great is if the, <laughs> yeah, right. you could have this contest. I don't know if you heard the thing, but it was just a great clip. And that's why people love, love him over there. But uh, it, it's a whole new world. It has been opened up now in the last couple of weeks. And uh, everything is going to change for all of us who are sports fans and who are sports betters. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I think we're really going to be able to see some tangible differences in terms of ratings for, for some sports, maybe more so than other sports, because I think, you know, there's a lot of college football fans, as an example. You know, I'm not sure that now that sports wagering is legalized that you could necessarily see a big spike. You know, there may, might be a very, very negligible uptick in, in ratings for college football or NFL, as an example. But I think where you're really going to see it and, and maybe hear about it is, you know, on those weekdays because baseball is a seven days a week type sport. So, and you know, uh, yeah, it'll a be lot really of the ratings. To see what happens. And it, there are different metrics too, you know, nowadays. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan, and as WWE ratings continue to go down, they continue to make more and more money in their company, and a lot of it has to do with, you know. Um, like social media interactions, uh, just like awareness, like buzz. And sometimes there may, maybe the ratings don't go up, but there's a lot more conversation about games online. People are talking about, and that's kind of a way you can, you can see things moving in the right direction also. So, um, and you know, remember with all these new apps and all these new things, sometimes we don't even know what, what gets rated and what, and what doesn't with all the cord cutters out there. So I think uh, just in the, in the, there's just going to be a lot more people that care about, you know, the things that were kind of not meaningless, but maybe not as necessarily the big sexy games or, you know, as you mentioned, teams that are out of it, you know, towards the end of the year now. When, when games, when team, your team is out of it or two, you're watching a game with two teams that have no shot to make the playoffs, well, hey, it's like anything, like 5-1 to one is 5-1. to one. It doesn't matter if it's the Belmont or if it's the first race at Santa Anita on Thursday, right? That, that's going to be the same scenario when it comes to gambling on these games. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, both of us are fantasy players, and we've seen that it really comes into play with fantasy football. I mean, there's, there are some games where you just don't give a bleep about it, but you're totally dialed in. You're totally checking out to see, you know, if, if your offensive player, you know, is going to get the ball back, if, if, if the defense can, can force a turnover or, or a three and out just so that your running back can have an opportunity to run the ball a few more times you know, maybe uh, bypass the or exceed the 100-yard plateau, maybe need a couple more receptions, whatever the case may be, we've seen that the NFL really became king, I think, after fantasy football became popularized. You know, that's when I think football took over in a big, big way. You know, if you remember, for the longest time, it was Major League Baseball. I mean, that was was America's pastime. but it's been about 15 years, I'd say, where and because I, I think a lot of it had to do with the steroids too and the strike, and then a lot of that people kind of got a little sour taste in their mouth with baseball, and they really they were looking for somewhere to turn, and you know basketball had a little bit of a run, but it kind of went it, it it goes ups and downs. Basketball's starting to come back now a lot because because of LeBron and honestly because of the Warriors because we know who the big ones are. But you, you're right, no doubt about it. As soon as the fantasy sports took over, like the fantasy football took over, that's when everybody started. Just the average person knows, knows the wide receivers and the quarterbacks that didn't before. And then you started getting your friends and your friends' 
girlfriends and brothers and sisters and families doing it. So, yeah, the fantasy just took over. And um, I, I think it's going to be very similar in a sense just from gambling. You're going to get a lot more people. What, that's key. We've got to educate the people out there who don't, but you're going to get a lot more people, just novice people, knowing what's going on on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, and you know, just to kind of transition when we're talking still about gambling, um, we had a – Another, it's funny, we, we went so long without, and now another Triple Crown winner with Justify. Um, to me, what I thought was the most impressive of this one, Mike, is that, not that he just won the Triple Crown, because obviously that's impressive, but doing it in, I think, 111 days, no races at two, um, there are not a lot of horses that could do what he did in such a short period of time. There are some horses out there that are good and that, could, that are talented and that, you know, we'll, we'll see some more Triple Crown winners. I think, in particular, the way the system has changed, it, it, it's not making it easier, but it seems like it's going to be more likely that we see more of these Triple Crown winners coming up. But the fact that he did it without racing it too, remember after the Derby, there was the little thing about the bruise. He came right back. And honestly, Mike, even in the Preakness, when it was the closest margin of defeat, he was really never tested. He was really never tested. He, I mean, he, he was shrugging off the Bravazo and Tenfold when they were coming at him in the Preakness. He was never losing that race. They were never going by him. And he, this horse still really hasn't been tested. We really don't even know what's under the hood yet of Justify. So let me ask you this. And I've seen some of your social media interaction. And, uh, you know, I'm guessing now that it's Thursday and we've now had a few days to digest everything. Maybe this issue is Loba played out. But I think it's worth mentioning that you're, you're pointing out that exact point, you know, whether or not Justify was tested. But I think it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you'll see the Warriors, you know, and they'll roll through the playoffs. And, you know, there are some years where they maybe, they don't even have like a, a buzzer beater type game in the entire playoffs. You know, they pretty much win every series, either with a sweep or in five or something like that. Does not being tested change your opinion of how dominating the performance was in other words why is why is it that 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 matters like isn't it like if you're looking for dominance right is it better to win a bunch of nail-biting games or just to crush your opposition and i know tested makes different in horse racing than it does say in football or baseball or basketball but everybody knew what this guy's what this horse's game was and everybody had the opportunity to game plan whichever way they thought was going to be best suited for their horse to win. Nobody really came close. Um, for me, there's a couple, a couple issues. One is okay. that if he had faced everybody again, I would deal with it. But the thing that leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth is we didn't have horses like Audible. I know Good Magic took a shot at him last time. Um, even another Baffer horse who was really good in the undercard on, on Pimlico Day, on Preakness Day at Pimlico. Um, there are some other horses who could have been able to beat him and pressure him, or may, I don't know about beat him, make it harder on him. They weren't in the race. That's the thing that's a little bit different. It reminds me, and I tweeted about it, it reminded me a lot of the Warriors in that, like this year, it, they were down three games to two. You know, you and I were both picking Houston against them in that series, and then Chris Paul got hurt, and that's, that's why it leaves a sour taste in my mouth because I didn't see Golden State beat the best. I can't hold it against them. They can only beat who's in front of them, right? So I'm not going to say Golden State didn't deserve to win, but I'm going to always 
have a little bit of a, an asterisk when I look at this year, you know? And to me, that's going to be very kind of similar and justify in that he, when I'm looking at the fractions and the times of the race, like if he's going like 22 and running horses off their feet, like 22, 46, and then opening up like some Bodemeister fractions where he's just running away from horses and nobody can keep up with him. To me, then I'm going to go, well, that's super dominance. But when I see a 48 half mile, I'm going, really? Like, no, I, I know there are horses that in, in that exact race that can go that fast to keep up with him. So whatever the reason may be, whether it be that were their chosen tactics, whether they broke slow, whether there was some blocking going on, whatever the reason was, I just would have liked to see him get pushed a little bit more. That's all. You know, like, in, we, because I think other horses could have done it. And, and, the only, and, and what made it the most frustrating to me is I still think he would have won. I just wanted to see him get tested and have to dig down deep and have to show us what he's really made of. You know, like you don't want to see – it was fun this year in the in these conference finals that we got both game sevens, right? Like it was fun having to see LeBron dig down deep and we all went, wow. Like this was the year where I might have gained the most respect for LeBron when I saw him take that team to the final. Even though they get swept in the final – seeing him take that team get there. And, and kind of I felt the same way with Golden State. It was fun watching them have to dig down and see what they have. They obviously didn't have to, to beat a Chris Paul, uh, you know, Houston team, but I just want to see the best have to prove they're the best and, and everyone else take a shot at them. I felt like nobody really wanted to take a shot at him and just kind of let him go in the Belmont to win the triple crown, you know, like if this were, and I just think of it for me because I'm, I'm always a fan of an aggressive ride or just an aggressive move. And if I were in there, like Noble Indy, people are going, well, Oh, Noble Indy was a rabbit. They were using Noble Indy to set up for Bino Rosso. That's why they wanted Noble Indy to be up front, but that's where Noble Indy runs best, right? He's, he's a, he's a horse that's going to be close stalking or right on the lead. So, I mean, I've always felt that way. And I felt that way since I was young. You know, you got to punch the bully in the mouth. You got to go right after the big, bad, you know, horse player, whatever it is. The best, you got to try to take it right to them. Because a lot of times people don't do that and and they dominate. I hear what you're saying. You know, I hear what you're saying. You're you're presenting in a very, very logical format. But to me, that's almost like, and I I know with my analogies, I always go back to the NFL, but that's just easy. It's true me to do so. You know, it's, it's easy to look at these things and be a critic after the fact because hindsight's twenty twenty. It's just to me it's the same thing like after an NFL game you're like, man, why didn't you guys run the ball more, control the, the game clock more, you know, have have a better grasp on, you know, controlling the tempo, keeping your defense off the field, those types of things. See, I don't think well, that's the right look, everybody's got a week different to prepare, comparison though. Because I, I don't think that's the right you know, it's but I, I don't, with I don't their, think that's the right sports baseball. comparison. I think you're better off saying like if LeBron's on the court, or Curry, I, I made an example with Curry. Curry is an awesome three-point shooter. He's probably going to make the three-pointer, right? But does that mean you don't guard him? You don't try to make it hard no, on him? No, no but I, no, I think it, I think it is the right sport comparison because you come. You, what you're saying is you don't like the tactic, and all I'm saying is you have plenty of time to game plan for it. Each of these you know, head coaches, trainers have plenty of time to game plan. They didn't think that that strategy would work, obviously. Well, I, I disagree with is, you because if, if, you is, watch, if you watch, 
I disagree, because if you watch Noble Indy and Bravazo, they both wanted to go after the horse early, and Restoring Hope kind of took him out of the, <laughs> took him out. You know, and well, early into the race, well, Bravazo, <laughs> subject matter that we could get into, but, okay, well, the, how could they didn't do that in the previous races if, with those same two horses? Well, they did. Good Magic went after him in the Freakness. Good Magic went right after him the whole Bravazo. race. Right? No, that, 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 you know, they, that was, and so... No, and good magic went after him. Then, then they came out. See, that's the point is that you're watching this horse going, we got to go after him. Right? I mean, like, if you are sitting back going, okay, this horse is, it doesn't really matter how fast he's going. If he's loose by two lengths, the race is over. You know, that, that, that's how you got to look at it. And for me, it's when it gets down, the, the thing is, when it gets down to this point, he, he, a lot the, of the other people. Even in a half race, though, Gino? Even in a oh, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. It's even more. you got to go right after this guy, you know, because we've seen in the mile-and-a-half races, there's not a ton of movement ever. Like, you don't have horses that are stone-cold closers ever. The only horses that are even close in this... I'll give you a counterpoint, but since we're up against the clock, let's take a break and and continue on this point, and then we can move on to the World Cup. Actually, before we even move on to the World Cup, maybe we can talk about where you think Justify will be, uh, you know... Uh, what the rest of his 2018 campaign will look like. Let's take a break right now. We'll come back. We'll, we'll pick up on that thought because I think Juno's making a really interesting point, and I kind of want to refute it. So stay with us. We will be back in a few short moments. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Thanks for staying with us. We were just talking about Justify, Justify's performance in the entire Triple Crown Series, in particular in the Belmont. Gino and I are kind of on uh, opposite sides on this one particular issue. And what I wanted to say to you, Gino, before we uh, had the commercial break was this. 
I've heard so many jockeys over the years talk about, you know, Big Sandy, Belmont Park, right? And I think it was Johnny V gave Vinter some advice before, was it Chrome's Triple Crown bid or was it Pharaoh's? In one of those races, and I distinctly remember him saying, you can't send your horse too early in the Belmont. As you're approaching that big sweeping turn, when that instinct says go, don't go. Wait, wait, and wait. And then when you think go, wait a little bit longer. And that's the only way to succeed in the Belmont. He said, he, I remember him distinctly saying it's very different than any other track. What are your thoughts about that relative to what you're talking about with Justify? Oh, it's not. It's, that, that's true. But, you, I mean, when you're in that race, everybody's trying to beat Justify, right? I mean, in, yep. as much as you're trying no, to no. win the race... Right, like so that—that's my issue. Is that as much as you're just trying to win the Belmont, you're trying to—you're worried about that horse. Where is he? We got to remember. I mean, remember what with Chrome? He got kind of on the inside. They're boxing him in. There, there was none of that to me. There was no like race riding. There was no hey, this is the big favorite. We're going to try to beat him. I mean, and you see that in a lot of other races, and and that's fine. We saw the race riding to kind of help him. That was my issue. Is that. Okay, and even after the first quarter, when a couple of these horses tried to go after him and couldn't, why don't anyone make, make that middle move? The move that Johnny V just said probably doesn't work, but we see Mike Smith make that move sometimes with Abel Tasman, some other horses who are kind of early moving types. I mean, for me, when I'm just seeing that horse cruising out front, you've got to at least kind of loom up and take a shot at him or something, because as we talked about, otherwise, you're running for second. And, and that's just... And the one thing that you said, which I will kind of mention, I'm never a person who read boards in that my tactics will always be known early on. I am aggressive. I will always be aggressive. I would always want my jockey to be aggressive. I would always ask for an aggressive ride. Because I see way too many races when horses are sitting in fourth or fifth, they plot along all the way, and they pick up the pieces. The only way to win the race is to be in the race, right? So I, I wouldn't, if you look through all of my tweets, if you go through everything I've ever said my whole life on TBG or Elite Racing Network or everywhere, I myself will always prefer the over-aggressive ride. I'd rather my horse that I bet on or that I own or train try to get to the lead and finish dead last than run fourth. That's, and that, that's just you me. Think there's a, because you think if there's you're not trying to win it, it doesn't that, make uh, sense. That was, uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say... Did, did, do you think that there were any horses that were entered and not intending to win? Maybe shooting for second? Maybe, you know, based on evaluating everything, hey, we don't think that we have really have a realistic shot to win, but we could definitely get second. Do you think there's any of that kind of mentality of let's just pick up a pretty nice paycheck, get the play, be the place runner, yeah, I mean, no I shame think, in being the place runner? I think, there are, I think a lot of times in greatest stakes races and in big races, the connections look at the fields and go, this field isn't that strong. I don't know if we're going to be good enough to win, but we could hit the board, pick up a piece, and then for our breeding purposes, you know, we were third in the Belmont, and that goes a long way. Um, sure. So I think there were probably a few of those. But, I, you know, I, I generally think there were five or six horses in there that could have won the race. I, like they're, they're not better than Justify, but that doesn't mean they couldn't have won the race. They needed Justify to take a little bit of a step back, and he continues to step forward. And, and that's, that's the thing. I don't think, I seriously don't think he probably, he would have lost even had he gotten tested. I just wanted to see it. 
I wanted to see somebody go at him early and him just shrug him off. I wanted to see him do in the Belmont what he did in the Preakness. Because after the Preakness, I went, awesome. That was so impressive. I was really impressed with Good Magic for trying, and I was really impressed with Justify for looking like a monster, sitting there, shrugging off Good Magic, and then holding off the challenges of Tenfold and Bravazo. I just wanted to see that again in Game 7, you know, in the final game, uh, which was the, the Belmont. I wanted to see someone or a couple other horses say, you know what, maybe we need to tweak what we're doing to take a shot to beat this horse because everything else we've done so far hasn't worked. Well, what was what was Laurent Giroux doing on the number five, Restoring Hope, which was Baffert's other runner? I have no idea. Um, I, I, to be honest, I heard some people, and that was what I tweeted. Half the people say the horse was rank. Um, he was trying to control the horse, who was just kind of a runoff. And the other half of the people are saying, I mean, you can see he definitely impedes Noble Indy, and then he definitely impedes Bravazo. And then after the race, there was some comment where Mike Smith made to, to Florent saying something like, thanks, you're the man, you know. And that was what kind of got a lot of people going, huh, what, what was that about? Now, the, the only thing is, Mike, if Restoring Hope wasn't a Baffert horse, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. I mean, no, if it was a horse no, no, definitely any, with any other trainer. So that, that's the only reason why we're having this discussion. That's what makes it, what makes it difficult. Like, if Noble Indy went up and went rank and knocked a couple of horses out, nobody would be saying a word, you know, or if it were, or if Vino Rosso got rank and knocked other, you know, so that's the only, the only reason why we're talking is because it, it was the other Baffert horse, but nobody will, nobody will know ever, you know, cause no one's going to admit anything. And it's, it's just, it's fine. Like it's, we're going to move on. Justify was the better. It was the best horse in this crop. And justify was the most likely winner to me. The one, the most, the thing that I was most frustrated with, I would have loved to see like Audible in there. I'd have loved to see, Bolt, who knows what's happened with Bolt Dioro. He, he probably wasn't a mile and a half. But the horses that we thought were the better three-year-olds at the very beginning, I would have liked to see a couple more of them take another shot against him in the Belmont. But as we said with... Yeah, I mean, it would, it would have been nice. Of, uh, you, know, I, you know me enough to know that I, I rarely speak in absolutes or, you know, with the definitive zone. But nobody was, nobody was going to win. Justify was hands down the absolute... I, I just... I can't ever do the absolute thing because we've just seen so many things happen in every sport and every like where otherwise why run that? That's the only thing is that when all the people are saying, well, justify would have run, would have won. I, I agree. But uh, then why do we run, run the races? Why do we play sports? Because it, otherwise the favorite in every race and every sport and every game is always going to win. So why do we even try? Because if we all know well, that that horse well, is going to win. Around. Why even point it out? It's a 10-horse field. If there was an 11th, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it becomes a little bit more interesting. Maybe there's a different outcome. But it wasn't the case. But to me, when somebody points it out, then, then you're, you're kind of in a way making it, in, in a roundabout way, either consciously or subconsciously, saying, I think this horse had a legit shot to win, and it could have affected the outcome. So you're always going to elicit that kind of response from the other side, which is, What's it going to happen, dude? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's why people respond in that manner. But, look, we're never going to know what, you know. But to me, I think what he did, like you said, in the limited number of days, unbeaten, unraced as a two-year-old, I think this propels him into 
you know, I don't know. I don't know where in, in the whole scheme of things. I don't like though comparing. All it's just time, too hard. All-time it's... great story. How about this? Yeah. All-time great story. Like, in, when you talk about the history of horse racing, he has to be mentioned. And it, and it should be Baffert, and it should be Mike Smith. Like, these should be the guys when we look back in 20 and 30 years and go, okay, Baffert's now won two Triple Crowns. Okay, Mike Smith won a Triple Crown. They deserve to be on the list. They, they deserve to be, to have these accolades. And I have zero, and this is the whole thing that I've been, I don't have a knock on Justify whatsoever. My knocks have nothing to do with Justify, Baffert, or Mike Smith. It's everyone else. Those are where my knocks are. Why weren't you taking a shot at him? Like, in your belly, don't you want to beat the Triple Crown winner? You know, like, that, for me, that, that's what, what got me, like, a little more frustrated is, dang, like, we don't see in baseball when you're making your way through the playoffs, Audible might have been his biggest challenger. You know, like, the, the Dodgers don't, necess- don't all of a sudden not have to play the Cubs to make it to the World Series, you know? That's, that's the thing yeah, that kind of leaves no, a little sour taste in my mouth, too. That's an interesting analogy. That's an interesting analogy yeah. because it's kind of like questioning a baseball manager's moves or, or, or non-moves, right? So it's, I, I would say, you know, not exactly analogous, but it's sort of similar to say, like, well, hey, why didn't he bring such and such reliever into the game? Why did he leave his starter in too long? You know, if that batter faced that other reliever, he wouldn't have been able to, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you know, lefty-lefty matchup, righty-lefty matchup, whatever the scenario was. You know, I'm just making it up, obviously. But, you know, sometimes we don't see those matchups. And it's easy after the fact to go back and look and say, well, this should have happened or that should have happened or this horse, additional horse should have run. To me, I was never super impressed with Audible in the first place. And I actually, you know, I, I didn't even think that he would, you know, be a trifecta runner for me personally in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, so he kind of proved something to me with, that, with his performance in the slop, 20-horse field, et cetera. Uh, I just don't put a lot of value in, um, in some of those preparations at Gulfstream. I just, I just no, don't. No, and, 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 but, like, and, but even the things you're saying are, are right. He should have been in the race. That's all. He was one of the top contenders. You know, that's all. He was a horse that... If, was, if well, what was even the final reason? I don't even remember anymore. Was he a little banged up or... Or were they, are they just saving No, no, he's just, for, they're owned, by the, same, they're owned by the same ownership. Same ownership groups. And see, that's what's going to become yeah, an issue. I mean, what was the reason they cited, I mean? Like, what, what, what are they telling the public? Was he a little bit banged up? Or, I mean, was... We're going to give him, we're we're gonna give him some time for a, a bigger summer campaign. You know, that's all they said. Gotcha. That's, and that's gotcha. what now, happened with on, a couple of these horses. Now, on that note, yeah, now on that note, let's talk about that. One, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Jim Anderson, trainer out at Los Al. Uh, he sent us a message saying, you know, in terms of getting tested, you know, we're probably going to have to wait till the Breeders' Cup Classic to see that. Uh, time will tell. We'll see who he goes up against. But let's talk about between now and then. Where do you expect to see Baffer, uh, you know, what's justified summer campaign going to look like? I think I saw two. They said two races. Um, maybe the, the only problem is, is just if he races and he loses, he's not racing again, first of all. Um, so if he races and loses, he's not going to run in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, and two, I honestly don't think, <laughs> I mean, we, American Pharaoh came back to race. Um, 
if I had to, I would put my finger on him not racing. I know they've said that they, they think he's going to race, but I just, he's an undefeated Triple Crown winner. I don't, I don't know really what more you can get out of him at this point, even winning the Breeders' Cup Classic. You know, I, don't need, I don't know how much more that would do for you. But um, I, if he were to run, maybe uh, Baffert's not had success in the Travers, so you know, it'd probably be something like Haskell or maybe Pacific Classic. Um, at Del Mar, and then and then one race after that, and then the Breeders' Cup. Um, so I, I, I do. You know, you know what will be interesting thing. about the Pacific Classic, you know, is uh, pretty recently Baffert found out that one of his horses really didn't like the surface at Del Mar, didn't perform well over there. You know, um, I think you make an interesting point. There's something to be said for uh, retiring as an unbeaten horse. So but, it, just, it comes however, down to the money, Mike. You honestly, because you know, it's the Haskell's is not really. It's a step below, right? Like you would have greater respect for the horse going to the Travers or the Pacific Classic than the Haskell, wouldn't you? Yeah, and but but now what's going to happen too is we're going to have like this happened last time. You're going to have these tracks that are going to be bumping purses to try to lure him. That's what happened at Del Mar with with Pharaoh with uh with the like they're going to bump the purses of these races to try to bring, to try to bring him there. So, it, you know, we'll see who, who ends up doing it. Monmouth right now would love to probably get him out there with the, you know, with their sports betting being open, try to draw some more people to the track. I don't see why for me, if I were Monmouth, I would bump the purse up a ton to try to get him there. So, so maybe the asshole, maybe some BS, Tune-up race at, at Lasalle in their. Uh, nah, I don't think meet. I don't think he would do that. I, I don't think he would do that. I mean, that would be kind of be really Mickey Mouse. But I mean, we saw Chrome run there. I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Right now, they're saying that justifies value somewhere in the sixty-five, seventy-five million dollar kind of window. Does it really go up that much if he wins the classic? That's my point. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think so. You know, uh, okay. I don't know what more. Then, you know what? Really, then, 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 reti- then retire him now. You know. Yeah. Then retire him now. I mean, I, I, I don't know why you would. I mean, maybe, heck, maybe Baffert's like, hey, I've got a super horse that ain't going to lose anywhere. Let's run him three more times for the rest of the calendar year, and he's done. I mean, could you imagine this I horse running that because I think in the Breeders' Cup? I, I would want to see that because it, it would cement this place in history. Right. I mean, and I can you imagine if he ran through and run the, ran the Breeders' Cup at the Pegasus race? I mean, like, he could have won a ton of money in, in less than a year. Um, and, and that's well, the thing. Well, here's the funny thing. Uh, so I, I was thinking no racing as a four-year-old. But you make an interesting point. Hey, well, you know, it's, it's in January. It's within 30 days of his, you know, the end of the, the, of the 2018 three-year-old campaign. But then you take a step further and say, well, you know, probably 50 days or less after that is the Dubai World Cup. Then retire him. Yeah, you, you just that'd be interesting. The, the travel is the travel is the one thing that worries me about that, though. Is that yeah? But Baffert loves going to Dubai. We know that, though. No, you're right, but I don't know. I mean, he he didn't take American Pharaoh. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you would take that that kind of a horse over there with that has so much money in him because. On that flight, there's a lot of things that can happen, and or the horse could get sick or go. There's just a lot that could go wrong with that with that kind of a trip. 
I, I don't know if he'd make sure. that trip. I could see the horse maybe staying around to run in the Pegasus race or something, but uh, but that might be a little a little too much to ask. But I think we're coming up on our uh, on our next break, Mikey. I think our uh, our last break actually. Yeah, let's take our last uh, our next break, and then um, heck, we've had such a fun conversation about Justify. Let's let's immediately shift to the World Cup when we get back. So stay with us. I hope there's some soccer fans that are listening. Promise you. We'll be talking some World Cup here. We'll be back in a few short moments. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Thunder chickens beware, we're coming for ya. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, it's all about the Spring Gobbler Smackdown and our panel of pros are out for beards. Joining us is David Blanton of Bill Jordan's Realtree Outdoors and Monster Bucks, outdoor writer M.D. Johnson, and Pete Muller from the National Wild Turkey Federation. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everyone. You know, still want to get your thoughts on where LeBron may end up, but let's first talk about World Cup a little bit. Had a first game. I, I got, let, let me take this for you. I, I got a transition that you might like. Let me set this thing up. Okay. Because Go for you it. and I were just talking about one of our favorite okay. TV shows, and, uh, yep. man, the character on that show that just has changed things in the last few weeks is the best cusser ever by actors, and that's John Malkovich. He's the Russian billionaire, and right now the World Cup is in Russia. We saw the home team this morning 5-0 with the victory. They're actually in the group that you probably know a lot about with Egypt, Group A, Mike. So Russia's going to be tough to beat in there. Uruguay is going to be very, very tough. We saw Saudi Arabia. They're probably one of the weaker teams in the entire World Cup. uh, Does your Egypt team have a shot in here? 
Yeah. Now, that was a great transition, by the way. Uh, the show that Gino was mentioning, if <laughs> people didn't pick up on it, was is Billions. Uh, okay. Bobby Axelrod, so billionaire extraordinaire, played Greg by Damian Lewis, who was with Homeland. That's his name, right? Yeah, you know, great, great actor, great show. Um, but yeah, Malkovich's character is fantastic, by the way. Incredible, Egypt. incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Egypt has arguably one of the top three players on the planet now. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Ronaldo, Portugal, Messi with Argentina, Mo Salah with Egypt. Just won the Premier League Player of the Year. Uh, just an amazing striker, but he's banged up. In the uh, championship game two weeks ago with Liverpool, uh, he had a pretty bad shoulder injury. So he's most likely out for tomorrow's first game against Uruguay. Uruguay is the best team in Group A anyways. So some people are thinking, you know what, Egypt's probably going to lose that matchup anyways. Hold him out see if he can get healthy and come back for the next two games. Today, he should be able to handle 5-0. 5-0 could impact that quite a bit, right? Because goal differential means yeah. something. So now, yeah. I think that changes things a little bit because they can't afford to get blown out by Uruguay tomorrow. If, no. if that happens, then they're going to have two must wins. They can't tie anymore. They will have to beat Saudi yeah. Arabia and they will have to beat Russia head-to-head. Uh, my bottom line, yeah, I think Uruguay and Egypt advance because Mo Salah has that good. He is talking about of a score. So that's what I think about Group A. Uh, let's take a, a step back, though, overall and, and talk about the entire field. Um, obviously, the perennial powers are Germany, Brazil, Spain, Spain. Argentina. Uh, I think, to me... Uh, I guess to cut to the chase, you know, Germany and Spain should probably be the top two teams, you know, kind of the last team standing, if you will. Uh, I think Brazil and Ger- Brazil's a co-favorite. Um, you think Brazil will be will be uh, suffering kind of like a hangover from their humiliating defeat? That's what they're saying. Last hangover or bounce back, you know, if you look at it one of the two ways, because they could really have a chip on their shoulder after getting beat up at home. Or do they have, you know, still a little bit of hangover? There are some question marks about some of the big boys, too. Um, Germany, uh, defensively, they lack a little bit. Um, They're a team that they're probably going to get out of their group, and they shouldn't have a problem getting out of the group. But as far as continuing to um, advance afterwards, that's where they might struggle. And Argentina, the key for them when I was reading and listening is that the new coach has really built this team, and he's really kind of put the pressure on pressure and in another way just said Messi this is your team he's kind of tweaked the roster a little bit to really play into Messi's strengths and this is going to be kind of sink or swim for Messi who's never really stepped up in the big 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 tournaments and so the pressure is on and if Messi plays well Argentina can win this whole thing hey, by the way because you know uh, Croatia and Iceland aren't necessarily perennial powers. This is Iceland's first appearance. Iceland actually has a pretty decent ball club, but Croatia is really, really dangerous. Argentina gets that's out not, of that group, but I think it's going to be a little bit tougher than people think. Yeah, that's not an easy group, um, and, and honestly, it's probably the second most 
competitive group. Um, group H is a very competitive group because you really don't have any of the big, big guns in that group. It's Colombia, Poland, Japan, and Senegal. And, and honestly, when I'm looking at the percentages, all four teams have a 33% or higher to move on to the next, to the next round, which means that this is, there's a lot of parity in Group H. So we could see really anything happening in that group with Colombia, Poland, Japan, and Senegal because we don't have any of the big real powers in there. Yeah, you know, Robert Lewandowski is, is, is a definitely a strong enough type of player to be able to carry Poland uh, throughout. I think this is probably, uh, you know, for Colombia's, in Colombian standards, probably a down year, if you will. Um, you know, I wouldn't sleep on which group name is it. Group C is kind of interesting. You know, England, I mean, they're so passionate over there, and they've got some pretty good ball players over there. You know, some world-class players, some guys on the rise, like Sterling, Raheem, etc. Uh, so Group G is interesting. Belgium is one of those teams that I think can can match what uh, was it the Netherlands uh, in, in the last World Cup. They kind of surprised teams and, and went pretty far. Um, you know, so those two, all in all, yeah, that group, a great, great tournament. And I'm really, really happy with today's news that North America is going to get the 2026 Cup. And the interesting thing about that one, Gino, is this. And I'm not sure how many of our listeners are hardcore soccer people or maybe just getting into it, but to let everybody know, the host team gets an automatic entry. So Russia is in this tournament not because they won or qualified, but because they're a host country. So in 2026, the host countries, plural, technically are Canada, the United States, and Mexico. So they're trying to figure out if they're going to give three automatic berths. I think it would be problematic if it was a field of 32 but the good news here is it looks like they're expanding to 48, you know. Yeah. Is it, and I'm kind of looking forward uh, to that. It's just, I, I, think that, I think that'll spice up the a, tournament. 48. I know. I hate, I hate even talking about how the U.S. didn't make it. It's such a downer. It's just such a downer. Uh, well, we, remember, we, we first uh, got on the air and, 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 and started the show, I think it was right around the time when they didn't make it, and you and I were so deflated. And, you know, we had a big-time bitch fest. Uh, looks like some changes are made. Looks like they're kind of listening. The, you know, the U.S. Soccer Federation is kind of listening to, um, you know, uh, the public or, or regardless of how you, who they're listening to, they're making wholesale changes. They made wholesale changes. They really have to get there by 2026. You know, there's some yeah, time to be able to develop some young players. Um, you know, I've had this conversation with many friends. I think I've had this conversation with you, and this is a whole separate subject. Maybe we could bring somebody on with some expertise to talk about it. But soccer is a poor man's game in most of the world, except the United States. It's a rich man's game. It's about travel teams, and I think that really, really sucks. It makes it difficult for a lot of talented kids who would maybe be strengths on the U.S. team. They, they don't even bother because it's a lot easier you know, improve your, your shot at a playground and have somebody sponsor you uh, as you progress through high school than in soccer in this country. It just hasn't been that kind of a prominent sport. Uh, so now, if you're not on a club team, you don't have money to be able to do the, do so, probably not going to get exposure to it as, as a youngster. Uh, but we're going to have to get there if we want to compete at the world level. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it would have been fun to be uh, in this group because Panama is where they took the spot away from the U.S. And uh, in Group G, you were talking about, it's England, Belgium, Panama, and Tunisia. And 
it's going to, what's going to happen, it's going to come down to that final game between England and Belgium because Panama and Tunisia are two of the weaker teams in overall. So it would be very unlikely for either one of them two to move through. So what will most likely be is who's going to win that England-Belgium game to go through as the number one um, from Group G. And uh, Group F will be led by Germany and Sweden. The fun game in that will be with, with Mexico. Can Mexico upset either Sweden or Germany? We know Mexico has the passion. They have the ability to beat kind of anyone on one day. I don't know if they're consistent enough to make it all the way through, but, but they'll be fun. Um, we mentioned Brazil is one of the top teams. For me, I think the only team that is a little sneaky to me, and then you mentioned one after because I know we only got about a minute or two left, uh, a team that I'm going to be keeping an eye on and maybe I'll make a wager or two on is Morocco. I think they're a little yeah. underrated. I think they might have a shot to play Portugal or Spain very tough. So I'm going to keep an eye on Morocco, who I think might be able to, uh, to, to overplay um, their, their reputation a little bit in this tournament. Since we only have uh, you know, about a minute or so left, uh, give me a winner. And, and give me who you think Spain. Are, are one or two teams who will be a big disappointment. Uh, I think Spain's going to win. I think Germany is going to be disappointing, and I think Argentina is going to be there. I do think Messi is going to show up, and I do expect to see Messi carry this team. So I, I'm, going to, I'm going to expect good efforts from Spain and from Argentina, and I do think that Germany is going to be a little down. We're going to have to rewind this tape because I, uh, my, my, my champion is Germany and my disappointment is Argentina. So we're going to nice. have to come I like back it. and see. Only one of us could be right on, a, on this one. So I think France is also going to be a little bit of a disappointment. I think Brazil is going to be a little bit of a disappointment. I think Uruguay is going to surprise a lot of people. They have two of the good. top They're players good. on yeah. the planet in Luis Suarez and Edinson Cavani. Both fantastic players. This is going to be a dynamite tournament, and I am super stoked. So you'll be up have it. tomorrow at uh, 5 a.m. for the Egypt game? I will absolutely be up at 5 a.m. Go Egypt. Uh, that's got to be my team now since the U.S. isn't into it. So, uh, you know, with that said, Gino, enjoy the tourney. Let's talk some NFL next week and get back to some of our team reports and also talk a little MLB since it's been a couple of weeks since we've revisited with one of our favorite sports. So everyone out there, have a great sports weekend. Enjoy the World Cup. And please join us. For the next show, we want to get more listener participation. Whether you're a live listener or an on-demand person, send us tweets, emails, your questions, or call in if you're listening live. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next Thursday. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.